So not even a good time slot, but I mean, it feels like the freaking Super Bowl as far as I'm concerned, right? For some reason, them not being there immediately made me nervous. This is why a terrible start to a job might actually be the best thing to ever happen to you. If you are early in your career, if you are still yet to get your first job, if you're thinking about a job change and nervous about the potential and what it's gonna be like on that first day, let me tell you about a terrible first day, so to speak, and why it was the best thing to happen to me in my career, arguably ever. I was working for ABC Sports, the year was about 2003 or four, I think, my first real full-time job with them. I had been busting my ass for two or three years up to this point to even get my foot in the door to get a full-time job. And it wasn't really even a full-time job. I was only guaranteed a job for a college football season, and then at the end of the year, everything is reevaluated. It was almost like a reality TV show where you're competing head-to-head -head with other people because there were, I think, 12, maybe up to 16 production assistants we all started at the same time. We were given about mm, four to six weeks of training, and then the season starts, and you're out on the road, and everyone is working individually with their own crews, and you, they didn't say it in so many words, but basically the best of the best were going to get kept, and that was kind of it. Some of that could be luck of the draw. Some of that could be just who literally had the best season. I started on what was arguably the worst crew and probably had the, mm, depends on how you look at it, but you could make a strong argument that I had the least, the slightest, smallest chance of actually continuing on past the college football season. I think we were actually the D crew. We got the worst games and we split the time between college football games and PGA Tour golf, but there's not a lot of PGA Tour golf in the fall. And even the big events I wasn't invited to, I got kind of the in-between events that were not as important as the rookie PA. Going through the training, things were going pretty well. And I felt like I was doing a decent job of standing out from the crowd. One of the biggest lessons that is even to the side of how bad my first day on the road was at the beginning of this entire process and they're taking you around, it's kind of like, you know, first week of training camp, so to speak. I was struck by how good of an idea it was to ask a lot of questions. I've always been a quieter person, just in my general demeanor to be a quieter person. One of the biggest lessons from this first job and in this first little window between when you start and then when you're actually on the road helping produce a live college football game was when the person who was in charge of training us said, I'm going to start a competition for who can ask the most questions. Is the quiet kid that always sat in the back of the classroom that never wanted to raise their hand for a multitude of reasons, I was always susceptible to just being the quiet, perceptive one that would watch and observe and soak things in and I would be present and aware, but just not necessarily the most vocal. For some reason, when he said, I'm going to start a competition for whoever can ask the most questions and a question hit me immediately in that moment, that just triggered something in me that got me to ask every single question that normally I would not ask. So first takeaway from this, if nothing else, 
ask a ton of questions. Curiosity can be one of the greatest attributes that you bring into any career, into any job. And just simply being comfortable asking questions can be a major asset for you to have with you at all times. So we go through the training. Again, it's about four to six weeks of learning how do you do all of the things that lead up to producing a college football game and then what are your assignments during the actual game and then how do you get how do you wrap the show as well a lot of logistics booking hotel rooms booking rental cars making sure that you have quote unquote runners so one of the biggest jobs of the production assistant was for every game you were going to hire a team of at not team of students that would show up on game day and perform just kind of the most basic tasks needed. Somebody to stand on the sideline and call up to the booth if there was an injury. Somebody to stand with the down and distance people to, if you had to call down and say, hey, can somebody please clarify what's happening on the field? You would have somebody there. Very straightforward day jobs, basic communication skills was kind of all that's required. If you did it before, great, because then you know how to work a headset. But basically anybody who was lucky enough to get picked or simply had contact and was interested in doing this further into, you know, once they were out in the job world, you could you could get one of these gigs. It's basically how I started being a runner, being, you know, having one of these sideline gigs. I did it for golf a lot. Like there are these basic day hire type of roles that are there. So as a production assistant, you're in charge of the logistics, as mentioned, rental cars, hotel rooms, uh, sometimes even things like making sure that there was food in the trailers, kind of straightforward, almost admin type of work. Also keep in mind that for the story that I'm telling, this was pre-internet accessibility on the road, right? So certainly the internet existed in 2003, 2004, whatever year this was, but it wasn't like you were pulling out your smartphone to check on a hotel room status. Like everything was done via phone and you were still faxing things around. You had to have your shit together really, really, really well because once there was no liberty of like, oh, I'm going to jump on a plane and I'll just bang out some Wi-Fi and check with the hotel and check these other things. No, <laughs> you had to be lock solid before you got on the road. Go through all that training I feel really good going into the first game because I was geeking out on how do I make this as straightforward and easy as humanly possible. My general philosophy with work has largely been predicated around how do I idiot-proof something for myself. And I got really lucky at the time. I met somebody who was a bit of a mentor for me out of the gate, kind of like a very young dynamic type of mentor, somebody that had just simply done the job for three to five years maybe at that point. And he said that he had made a handbook when he was in this role, when he was in the the entry-level role that I was now in. As he went through the job, he made a handbook so that he could pass it off to the next person. He felt like that helped him find best practices on a consistent basis, that it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to do these things and check the boxes. It was, how well can I do these things? And then how well can I communicate how I am doing these things? so that whoever takes this job on next, that they can have the same type of notes and that he has helped advance an unknown person getting into the role. I thought that was so smart. I should take that back. 
I knew it was smart, but I was more attracted to how cool it was, which may not make sense when you hear it like that. But I just thought it was so neat that he was able to then influence and make things better as he was actually doing them. That totally changed the dynamic of how I saw what opportunity could be like for an entry-level role and that you could really geek out on the process and every single little facet of what it would take to put these logistics together. Color coding your binder. Best practices of, hey, on Tuesday, call the rental car company. On Thursday afternoon, call back and give them a name and a number. Like things that literally just idiot-proofed it. And the opportunity to try to tweak it even more or turn the screw one more time to use a kind of cheesy phrase about it. I just love that. I was fascinated by it and that helped me out a tremendous amount. I first game, first game I had was Colorado State versus Air Force at Air Force. As noted, D crew, not exactly a national game, regional 12 o'clock kick, which was like a 10 o'clock kick mountain time. So not even a good time slot, but I mean, it feels like the freaking Super Bowl as far as I'm concerned, right? First college football game on the road. You're helping produce it live. You've done all the logistics. The on-air talent were not the biggest names in the world, but you had certainly heard of them if you were into college football or into sports whatsoever. And it was just cool. Like It was a cool job to have. And I was so nervous about not only the day-to-day, but, oh, my God, am I going to be picked to come back? Probably not, so what the hell am I going to do? But I can't really worry about that because I just have to worry about what I've got in front of me right now. Get to the game. Everything is going well. Rental cars, hotel rooms, all that kind of stuff is is in solid shape. Because it's a noon kick on the East Coast and a 10 o'clock kick locally, that meant you usually got to an event like five hours before it actually started. So we were there at 5 o'clock in the morning, And immediately things start to go wrong on what is really now like my first day, so to speak, right? Like all the leading up to this was just to get to game day. This was my first game day. You could make the argument that this was kind of my first real day because all of a sudden I'm now going to have the additional element of what are my on-air responsibilities. Entry-level role, a lot of logistics, on-air responsibilities that you don't really learn or come across until you're actually on-site, which is totally crazy. And like that part of the training was maniacal to say the least, but that's just the way that it was done. Five o'clock in the morning, I'm expecting out of the gate the coordination of my runners, those kids, those students that were hired to come and stand on the sideline and help call up to the booth if there was an injury or corroborate what was happening with the down and distance, those types of things. None of them are there. And I get a sneaking pit in my stomach, whatever the best way to explain Like, I just, I'm like, fuck, this is not, this is not good. I, I, for some reason, them not being there immediately made me nervous. And no real, I mean, there were some cell phones in existence, but certainly not like everybody has a cell phone at the time. So there was not, it was not easy to try to communicate with these kids but they're not there. And I don't remember the exact amount of time that went by, but it was a long time. It was like a couple of hours. And I distinctly remember just from that piece alone, sitting in the Air Force football stadium and thinking, well, this was kind of fun. 
I'm totally going to get fired for this. There's absolutely no way that I'm going to make it past today. If none of the runners show up and we don't have the ability to do these very simple things, I'm automatically in like a doomsday type of mode. This is terrible. I'm going to get in a shitload of trouble. I don't even know how we're going to be able to do what we're supposed to do today. And didn't even think that they were actually going to eventually show up. That actually helped a lot, right? Because then out of the gate, I am immediately thinking worst case scenario and kind of have that worst case feeling in your stomach and your body and your mind as well. They eventually showed up and I still kind of got in trouble for the fact that they were late, but I did not pass that on to them. That was another huge lesson learned being calm throughout the entire process because if I would have freaked out when they showed up, who knows? Maybe they would have turned around and left and been like, screw you, man. Like, sorry, but whatever. We, <laughs> we're we day hires here. Like, I know we should have been here on time, but who knows? They could have they, they could have not taken well to me being reprimanding them. And I was just thankful. I'm like, wow, great, you're here. Okay, cool. Now let's – we don't have to have the discussion as to why you relate. That's not going to help right now. Like, let's just immediately go into action mode, get you where you need to be. Make sure you understand what you're doing, all that kind of good stuff. So day one, five o'clock in the morning, not a great start, already in trouble. I'm just thankful that these runners actually showed up. So then things seem to kind of calm down or they seem to be a bit more level. Walk into the truck and my on-air responsibility shows up in the form of a little black box that is known as the score bug. The score bug is the thing that simply has the score of the game, right? What are the points for each team and what is the time? Usually it will drop a down in distance as well if you're not a sports fan. Just think of any any sporting event you've ever seen on a TV in a bar and there's inevitably something on the screen that says how much time is left in the game and what is the score? It's probably the most basic sports graphic that is known to human history of sports graphics and sports on TV and simple enough that there's the assumption that as a production assistant, that that is the best responsibility for you to have. I looked at it and thought, and I I certainly knew going in like, okay, I'm gonna have to run the bug today. I'm gonna have to run the score bug, but you don't get any training or exposure to it until the day of the game, which again is crazy in my opinion, but That's the way it is. So you're literally sitting down and learning something that is on screen the entire time, basically, and then having to do it live for the first time with however many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are potentially watching. And that just, that was kind of petrifying to me in general. Learn the bug, start to get the gist of it. And usually the bug connects to something so that it most of the information is just automatic, right? You don't have to start and stop the clock by yourself. You don't have to put up the points. Like whatever the scoreboard says in the stadium is going to pump into the, into the bug. Not the case for the D squad that's at Air Force and with all due respect to the Air Force stadium and situation, for some reason that day, the, the extent, the connection between the scoreboard and the bug was not actually working. So like all of a sudden going from, okay, crap, I don't think that these guys are going to show up. Like I'm totally getting fired today. And now I'm like, oh crap, (laughs) I got to do this basically manually, which is just making my anxiety 
go to the next level after I already thought I was kind of getting it down. Learn the score bug well enough. I'm trying to not be so freaked out. First live sporting event that I've worked that I'm working like this in charge of a graphics machine. And it is chaos as soon as the ball is kicked off, right? You basically want things to be as smooth and straightforward as possible. If you don't know how to run this thing, you don't want confusion happening on the field. So you're like, I don't even know who has the ball or what happened on that play because you're also responsible for down and distance if there's a flag or any other of the basic communications that would pop out of that thing. And out of the gate, I think somebody kicked an onside kick or something, and it was just like pandemonium flag. We didn't know flag, like which side. Do I drop the flag towards Northwestern? Do I drop the flag like it's for Air Force? And all of a sudden, I'm like, this is, I feel like I'm 10 years old and somebody stuck me behind a sports car. I don't know what's happening, and this is all moving super fast. I'm just going to crash, and this is going to be, this is going to be terrible. I start to get my comfort zone with this after a bad start and after making a couple of mistakes and getting not yelled at, but your mistakes are known. Your mistakes are made on live TV. So as I'm making any mistakes, whether it's, you know, not stopping the clock right away or not flying it off the screen right away, just little things, but there's definitely like, come on, Tim, like get your shit together. I think it was sometime in the second quarter my boss at the time, who was the producer, and he ran basically the entire squad that did all of these games, and he also oversaw production for PJ Tour Golf. He was the producer of the actual event that day, and he's the one who's giving the majority of the direction in my ear. That's another thing to keep in mind for like the environment. I think actually something that set me up quite well. When you've, if you've never been in a live sports production truck, it's it's bananas, right? You got screens galore. I'm sure most of the people have like seen something that can that can help with this visualization. Screens everywhere for all the different camera angles, all the graphics machines. There's a producer. There's a director. There's that huge board where the guy's switching cameras and audio and all that kind of good stuff. So it just has an intimidating environment to begin with. I am now starting to get a bit more comfortable with everything and starting to feel like, okay, cool, like I've got a bit of a rhythm here. And the producer says, hey, Tim, can that, you know, hits me on the little earpiece thing and you're, again, listening to multiple voices. There's a lot of stuff happening. You're trying to pay attention as intently to the game. So people talking to you directly, even just knowing like which button do I hit to talk back to that person, like that in and of itself was kind of a, oh crap, like can I figure this out and can I be quick and and do this the right way and not screw anything up or screw anybody else up? Producer asks, hey Tim, can you does does the bug do a current drive stat? Current drive stat, if you know football you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, it's basically like how many plays has the offense had the ball and what have they done with it? So Air Force, five plays, they've gone 60 yards for, you know, over the course of eight minutes, whatever. He asked me, hey, Tim, does the bug do a this drive stat? And I remember thinking like, I learned the basics of this thing. That sounds like, advanced level trigonometry (laughs) as far as my brain is concerned and immediate mistake is i don't answer him back i ask the person to the to the right of me who brought the machine in and 
this person was having their own challenges throughout the game. I was like, hey, man, does this thing do with this drive stat? And the person said, yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. So I hit the button to talk back. Yes, it has this drive stat. Boss says, great. On the next stoppage, drop it. Make that graphic go. Basically, he's telling me when the next play ends, you're going to create that graphic that's going to say this drive is this amount of plays, this distance, this time. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God. I said, I, <laughs> I said that I didn't say this out loud, but I'm thinking, I said it does this. I didn't say I know how to do it, right? I didn't think two questions ahead. If I was really smart, I would have thought two questions ahead to say, or I would have responded initially and said, Jack, I'm unsure. Let me check. I didn't. I asked the person on the right of me to try to cover my ass. And then when I got back to my producer, I had the right answer instead of the real right answer, which is I don't know. And sometimes I don't know is a perfectly fine answer because that can help the second question not be a train wreck. He asks, I don't know. But I don't say I don't know. I ask the person right of me, get the answer, repeat it, and say that back to my boss. Yes, it can do this. He says, great, do it. I think, shit, I don't know how to do it. He says, do it. In live sports production, in live, live production anything, a second is an eternity. It is just like the worst thing you could do is freeze or for there to be black on the screen or for something to be wrong and to be wrong up there for even a handful of seconds is an absolute eternity. So when he says, okay, drop the, drop the thing, drop the, this drive graphic. And I'm thinking, I don't actually know how to do that. And I just learned two seconds ago that it actually does that. I freeze. I'm like, okay, I can figure this out. I'm looking all over the screen. I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Within five seconds of me not dropping it, boss starts screaming. Whether or not you understand why somebody would yell in that circumstance, live sports production is very intense, a lot more yelling in that environment than any other work environment or most other work environments. And it was just somewhat acceptable. And I, I, the, he starts yelling and I freeze even more. I don't even say like, I'm sorry, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't even, not smart enough to come up with anything other than just radio silence. He starts screaming so much so that the director has to calm him down. And most of his frustration, understandably, regardless of how you may or may not think it's cool to yell at somebody to work. I don't think it's cool, but like, look, I live sports production, I kind of just got it, right? And I'm also not one to... At least at the time, I was not super judgmental or like, wow, what a schmuck. Like, I just kind of assumed I screwed this up. So, yes, that I'm, it's totally warranted that I'm getting screamed at right now. And after however long, and I'm just not, literally not saying anything back, the director has to be, has to lean over and say, calm down. Like, we need to focus on the game because he was just so irate with the fact that I was just simply not communicating. We kind of get past it, not really, and all of a sudden, it's halftime and pretty bumpy first half, right? I mean, think of the day overall, too. The people that I hired didn't show up right away. They were late. I thought I was going to get fired before the game even started. Um, Had a couple bumps out of the gate, a chaotic start to the game. Like, this has been a train wreck of a day in my mind. At halftime, 
you leave the truck and you just grab some air, a super quick break, and then you're back in there to just do the modest amount of actual production that happens during the halftime because the halftime show is usually in a studio somewhere else. And I see my boss coming out of the porta potty or whatever, and I usually 9.9 times out of 10, I would have never done this because I'm usually the quiet one, again, as noted, based off of not being the one to ask the questions and being kind of the introvert who sat in the back. But I saw him, and for some reason, I found the courage or was just dumb enough to take this head on. And so I walked up to him and I said, Jack, I'm so sorry that I froze when you asked me to drop to this drive. And I explained it to him. I said, I didn't, I didn't know. And I made the mistake of asking the person whether or not it, whether or not this could do it, even though I knew that even if he said yes, I didn't know how to do it. And the fact that I asked the person that write me was case in point one. Like that was the first mistake. It wasn't the subsequent mistake. It was the fa fact that I tried to cover my ass before then having to try to cover my ass again. And he was stern in his response, but understanding, right? He also got it. Smart dude. He's gone pretty far in his career at this point, being the head producer of college football crew and PGA Tour golf. And he got it. Just said, don't let it happen again, man. Just don't. And I don't know exactly what Tony said it in, but I remember it being direct and fair and helped me understand very quickly that it was just simply about communicating. And if I communicated the right way, regardless if it was the right or the wrong answer, communicating right away was always better than not communicating. Communicating a step before you had to like double cover your ass was always the right thing to do. And then facing a mistake head on as quickly after you make the mistake as possible, which for me was that halftime, can make a world of difference. That boss and I go on to have a fantastic relationship, so much so that he let me do things at my level in the truck that were years beyond what my experience was. I was, I was so fortunate to work with him for so many reasons. That moment of just being okay wasn't, I won't say that for anything that I say career-wise, it's not that I was always smart enough to, I definitely was not smart enough to. There were just these things that happened and now that I'm reflecting on it, now that I've had this opportunity through TikTok to make this connection with all of you and can hopefully pay it forward with stories like this and a whole bunch of other stuff, I just owned it in the moment for whatever reason, I was able to put those pieces together in my brain and go up to him and say, I am sorry. These are the mistakes that I made. This is how I understand that they are mistakes. And to the greatest potential, best of my ability, whatever, I won't let it happen again. And that made a huge, huge difference. So I go from a day of, and I still felt terrible at the end of the day. I mean, like when I, I remember leaving the stadium, like, that was a total train wreck. I don't think I don't have the same kind of pit in my stomach. I'm totally going to get fired or like this is not going to go anywhere. I felt certainly felt better at the end of the day. But what a terrible overall but magical experience to have, to have so many things go wrong that made me feel like in multiple junctures, this is literally as far as my career is probably going to go based off of these things happening and I could get fired immediately and multiple things in the same day 
to then go on to build a really strong relationship simply because I just owned it. And for, again, for better or worse, not because I was smart enough, I didn't let it get me down so much that I just quit. And I'm, you know, had a pretty solid run since then. So points being ask a crap load of questions. If you get a question that you don't know the answer to, it's okay to say that you don't know the answer to it. Don't try to cover your ass before you need to cover your ass. Like those are some of the more specific tactical points within this. But overall, know that you're going to have really bad days. And I've had a lot of bad days since then. But especially if you're early in your career and you have a bumpy start, it can actually be the best thing to happen to you. Because if you get out of the gate perfect and clean, you don't know how well you can be tested or what your resolve is going to be when something goes wrong. But if you get out of the gate bumpy and you can own it right away, that can be that can be a lightning bolt for your career that lasts a long, long, long time. Right? This was 20-ish years ago. And it's still all of those things. The look of the kids' faces who I hired for the runners, what the inside of that truck looked like, the expression on my producer's face when I saw him at halftime, the smell of the truck, like all of it still resonates with me deeply because it was a bad experience. I don't know that I'm going to remember. I do not remember some of my best experiences out of the gate. I've got a lot of vivid memories from that time, but having a really bad first game or what I thought was a terrible first game that started potentially in a catastrophic way and ended up getting a bit better before it got worse and then it got better. One of the best things that ever happened to me in my career. Hope that helps. I'll see you in the next one. Oh, and if you haven't been able to tell yet, I'm super long-winded by nature. I love you guys. Thank you. <laughs>